Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Alrighty. Hey, we are, we are in life hacks, hence why we had that, the, the guys. They're doing a great job. Thank you, Ben and Hannah. Uh, and uh, uh, we are in this series, uh, Life Hacks, kind of looking at uh, practical wisdom. How do we do life? How do we get through life? How do we do it well? And, and we believe that God actually has some important things to say to us about some really important things in life. After all, He created us and He made us and He knows us best. He knows how we function. And so we've got a whole bunch to learn from Him. And uh, so uh, it, it's, been, it's been a great series. And tonight we continue our Life Hack series looking at how we make good decisions. And uh, tonight's going to be a little bit different. I'm kind of, uh, as you can see, I've got a whiteboard here. I'm kind of going to go all lectury on you. Hopefully it's not. So I'm going to find this really uncomfortable, by the way. Uh, I'm not a natural just teacher and going through scripts and stuff. So uh, uh, if, you don't, if you don't enjoy it, well, then tough luck. Uh, hopefully, hopefully. This, this will actually be really practical for us and, um, and that, that uh, you'll learn some stuff. Thanks to those who stuck some questions up on Facebook as well. We'll see if we can get to some of those as well a little bit uh, later on. Uh, but we are looking at how to make good decisions, how to make wise decisions. And I reckon we're all wanting to make good decisions, aren't we? You know, that's wisdom, isn't it? It's making more good decision than ba- decisions than bad decisions. And uh, I, I know, I'm sure that all of us here are trying to make good decisions rather than bad decisions, but we do make a lot of decisions. So inevitably, we're going to make some bad decisions. I was doing some research this, uh, this week and, um, you know, we make, some researchers say that we make th- uh, 35,000 decisions every day. Conscious decisions every day, 35,000 decisions. I, I pulled out my calculator, i.e. my iPhone, and uh, I did some maths. And if we live for 75 years, we are making almost 1 billion cognitive decisions in our lifetime. Now, that's a lot of decisions. And guaranteed, amongst 1 billion decisions, we're going to make some right decisions and we're going to make some wrong decisions. I know even in my time living on this earth, I have made some bad decisions, many bad decisions. Let me just share a couple with you, just so, you know, out of vulnerability with you tonight. When I was a teenager, there was this, uh, this new fandangled idea. I just like, the, <laughs> like that I use that word fandangle. That, that just made me feel really old. There was this, this fashion kind of idea called hypercolour. Did anyone ever hear of hypercolour? Some of you have heard of hypercolour. You know, in, in, in practice, I kind of like the idea. So the whole thing was that you, that you wear these that you clothes, hypercolour clothes, and if the temperature changed, then your clothes would change colour. But this idiot here just thought it was a really good idea to buy some hypercolour shorts. And, and, and I was wearing... I remember going and playing sport one day wearing hypercolour shorts, and certain parts changed colour and others didn't. I was really embarrassed. Don't think about that too much. That's a dumb, that's a bad decision. Bad purchase right there. When I was a young adult, I was invited to go uh, to a dinner party and I'd never encountered this before, but they, they actually had fondue where you could actually cook the chicken in oil, in a fondue oil. Has anyone ever done that before? 
Yeah, I think that's a, that's a bad decision. Well, it was a bad decision for me because I made the, the call and the choice. One, I, as a young adult, I was a useless cook as it was, but to actually try and cook a piece of chicken in boiling oil was for me a bad idea. What was even worse was me eating that chicken, not knowing that it still wasn't properly cooked. Yeah, my body told me that was a bad decision about an hour later. In fact, it was telling me for the next four days. Salmonella is not good people. It's a bad decision. My body was screaming out in pain. In fact, I was screaming out in pain. There's been only a few times where I've started plea bargaining with God, kind of like, God, I will do anything, just make the pain go away. And uh, that was one of those moments. I was emptied out completely. Bad decision. My body was saying bad decision. Hey, I made a bad decision just earlier this year. Uh, we went camping and, uh, and we bought a whole bunch of stuff. We were really excited about it. And we, I was in Aldi one day and uh, I saw that they had these marquees going real cheap. And I thought it'd be a great idea to stick the marquee out the front of, the, uh, of our tent uh, as, when we went camping. And it was really cheap and, when I, and it was really flimsy. And I remember setting it up and the ranger drove past on the first day and said, mate, we've had some pretty bad storms. You, you sure that's gonna last? I said, mate, don't worry, it'll be fine. If a storm comes, I'll, I'll secure it, I'll pull it down. Unfortunately, we were out when we got hammered by a huge storm. We were driving back. We were driving back and uh, I could see it was, it was carnage just in the sky. I called my sister. I said, Jenny, how's our campsite? She says, your tent, it's gone. And I was talking to my brother-in-law today. Now that's not, the blue part's not the tent. The Aldi tent is the white one that's on top of the blue tent. That's the Aldi tent with all the white poles just in different places. That's, the, that's our girls' tent right there. I failed to put that up properly. That shouldn't, that should. We got there and the mattress was floating in water. That was a bad decision. That was a bad decision. You know, Aldi makes some wonderful things, but don't buy tents if you're wanting to endure massive storms. That's, that's, that's my life hack for you uh, tonight. You know, we all make lots of decisions and we don't wanna make bad decisions because bad decisions don't go well for us. We want to make wise decisions. And I actually reckon that our world is crying out. You know, your generation, we want to walk in wisdom. We wanna learn what it is to walk in wisdom, to make wise decisions. But as I look particularly at the emerging generation, I see a real fear. More than any other generation I can, I can look back on, I see fear about making decisions. There seems to be this paralysis in emerging generations. To be honest, I encountered some of that as I was growing up too, paralysis around making decisions. There's a real fear around making decisions. In fact, I, I refer, there's a whole bunch of reasons I'm gonna point it to in just a minute, but I'd call this generation the serial aisle generation. And by that, I mean that, you know, I, I, I don't know if you've ever been to America, but in America, the supermarkets just have, they're just like one huge aisle just full of breakfast cereals. You know, I found myself in one of those aisles just looking with awe and just going, oh my goodness, look at the choices and the options. I got no idea. You know, I, I, I might feel like Cocoa Pops today, but what, about, what will I feel like tomorrow? Wheat Bix or muesli? Or maybe I just don't want cereal at all. Maybe I just want coffee. Or maybe it's bread. Or maybe I want to go posh and have eggs benedict or smashed avo or whatever it is. 
And they're, they're because of the options and the choices and because uh, you guys are being told you can do whatever you want, actually what it ends up doing is it paralyzes us from making decisions. Here's where I, what I think, and I think this is a wrong process for decision-making, is that there's three things that we consider when we make a decision. You know, firstly, if you're a Christian, it's, it's God's purpose for your life. Or if you're not a Christian here today, it's great to have you. Maybe it's just purpose that you're, you're asking for. The next thing that you consider is your desires. Or your will, to use another word. And then thirdly, the other decision that you kind of, the other kind of area that you're kind of considering as you make a decision is your future. Sorry, I should have made this bigger. Can you read that? And in there, right in the middle of all of that is the decision. That's the decision that the answer to the decision that you've got to make. But the reality is it feels so small and it's so particular when you weigh up God's purpose, when you figure out what you really want, what you really desire, and actually what's coming up in the future. And there's fear that's surrounded. Fear of the future, there's fear of missing out. FOMO, we call it. You know, God's purpose where there's a fear of failure. We're afraid to let God down or, or miss out of failing the purposes, this divine plan that we have in our lives. Or it's this fear of unfulfillment. If we, ju- if we don't actually step into the th- our desires and have the fulfillment of our, of our desires met. So there's this fear that surrounds us as we make decisions and we're trying to hit this small target. And what ends up happening is because we're so afraid of missing the target and, not, and being unfulfilled or failing or missing out, what ends up happening? We don't make a decision at all. We're actually paralysed. We don't know how to make a decision. And I reckon that's a lot of what we're grappling with. And God has something to say to us today about that. And we're going to jump into His Word tonight. And we're going to read from Romans as Paul just uh, pours out after a massive kind of a diatribe in the, uh, systematic theology. He then pours out his heart in worship. And there's some just gold here that we're going to look at in Romans chapter 12 about how we are to follow God and how we are to make decisions. So if you want to turn uh, to, uh, to Romans chapter 12, and uh, we're going to read the first uh, eight verses of Romans chapter 12 tonight. Is that okay? If you've got your Bibles, open it up. You can underline. If you've got your digital devices, do that as well. Make notes. I encourage you to do that. Romans chapter 12. Paul writes, Therefore, off the back of uh, the amazing systematic theology that is written, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can underline that if you're reading along. Renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. 
For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. I'm gonna reflect on this passage briefly. I wanna firstly look at the foundation to, to wisdom. What are the, what's the foundation to making good decisions? And then I'm gonna look at four phases as we bring into focus. How do we focus in? How do we make good decisions? What are the questions that we need to ask as we are going through the decision-making process? But firstly, what's the foundation? What's the foundation for wisdom? Well, I think the secret here is actually humility. Humility is the foundation for wisdom. Paul articulates it here in a couple of ways. Firstly, in verse one, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Surrender yourself. Die to yourself. Humble yourself. Say, I'm actually not in control of my life. I reckon one of the real things is, and we're pointing to this, is actually we're so desperate for control. We, we're so desperate to, to hit the mark that actually we become controlled. And, and, and the fruit of control is, is actually the negative side, the shadow is actually anxiety. When we don't feel like we can control, we spiral to anxiety and that's why the stats say that for at least 40% of you will struggle with some kind of mental health issue and, and I, I'm seeing anxiety just shoot through the roof in, in emerging generations because you actually can't control it. Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, die to yourself, die to control and give control over to the one who truly is in control. He then says in verse three, for the, by the grace given me, I say to everyone, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. I love that word, those two words, sober judgment. Have sober judgment of yourself. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't think that you're better than what you really are. Come with humility. Let me tell you, you've got to get this. You don't have your stuff together, people. You don't. And on your own, in your own wisdom, you will make dumb decisions. Trust me. You need to come to a point of understanding that you don't have it together, you never will have it together, and you need to humble yourself because that's at the heart of wisdom. And therefore, humility enables us to do three things. And because I'm a Baptist pastor, they all start with L. <laughs> they enable us to listen, they enable us to learn, and they enable us to live Firstly, humility enables us to listen. You know, we, we need to be able to listen. It's that surrender that I've been talking about, to have ears to hear. You know, we're so busy trying to tell people what we think. At times, do you find this? I oh, know I am. I'm terrible. Oh, I just need to shut up sometimes and just listen. Humility enables us to listen. Proverbs chapter three, the whole book is just on wisdom. Verses five and six says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him. Humble yourself to Him. Surrender to Him and He will make your paths straight. 
Submit to him. Humble yourself. Listen to him. Listen to what he has to say to you and he will make your path straight. Humility enables you to listen and therefore humility enables you to learn. Proverbs chapter one, verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Are you, are you willing to learn or are you too busy thinking that you've, you've got your life figured out? Are you willing to learn? Humility enables us to learn. Stay teachable. I say this a lot to, to couples who are wanting to get married. I say it's very hard to work with people who are not teachable. But if you are teachable, it doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't, doesn't matter how different you are. If you remain humble, if you remain teachable, God will always be able to use you, work with you. Let me tell you, if you're wanting to prepare for marriage, which I know many of you are, even if you're not in a relationship, you can start by learning to be humble. Learn to be teachable. And thirdly, humility enables you to live. See, it enables you to accept the gifts and the grace that God has given you. I love this list. I love this. Paul just makes a list of all the gifts. You know, that list is us. That's you. Humility says, thank you, God, for the gifts that you've given me. Thank you that you've poured out your grace into my life. I'm not gonna rail against it. I'm not gonna fight against it. I'm going to accept it and I'm going to live in it. Paul lists it out and he says, hey, if you walk humbly, if you are a living sacrifice, then you will grow in your gifting. You'll grow in the things that God has given you and you'll understand it. You'll actually understand the gifts that God has given you. You'll actually fully appreciate and know and grow in the things particular to you because God has uniquely gifted each one of you. As you humbly walk before Him, He will breathe life into that and He will use you. Humility enables you to listen, to learn and to live. I love what C.S. Lewis says about humility. You know, sometimes we think that humility is, is, is oh, it's, no, nah, it wasn't me. You know, oh, no, nah, when someone acknowledges you, you go, oh, no, nah, it really wasn't me. Now, true humility understands who you are and walks in the gifting that God calls you to and, and does it with great integrity, not worrying about what other people think. This is what C.S. Lewis says about humility. He says, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. You know, like that? When, you, you know, and, and C.S. Lewis goes on to say, he, he describes this. He says that when you, when you meet a humble person, you walk away going, wow, wasn't that person so engaged with me? Wasn't that person just so engaging and listening and attentive? That's what a humble person is. I know that's what I need to learn and I need to grow in. I trust that that's something that you long to learn as well. And when we walk in humility, it enables us then to make wise decisions. I mean, I could just finish it there. I could just say, just be humble, learn to be humble. And I reckon that will be, that is the key that will enable you to take the next steps. But I wanna just look now at, at what it looks like. Four uh, clear things, four steps, four questions, four areas that we can look at as we go through the decision-making process. And the key to this is Romans chapter 12, verse two, which we read before, which says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. 
Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. As you humble yourself, be transformed. Don't conform, be transformed. So that you can be changed. Then you'll be able to test and approve, as it says. Uh, but be transformed you. But then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want to say that I want to. Um, oh, just go across. Fancy. <laughs> you know these things. You used to be able to even print this out. That's very. I don't think it works anymore. And you wouldn't want to print out what I just did anyway. Firstly, I want to say the first question that we've got to ask is what does God's word, not this world, say? What does God's word say? And let me, let me uh, what, what do I call this? This is the, um, the area of decision. That's a really dumb title, but we'll stick with it. So these are all... So this is where all our decisions are made, all right? I don't know what other, what, I don't know. I didn't think that part through, did I? So this is, this is the space where we make all our decisions in life. And God gives us His Word. And I'm gonna make a big circle here. So I reckon sometimes we think that God is really restrictive and it's not true. He gives us His Word and he provides us his word. And, and he says, you know what? There's a whole bunch of things that you can do. I've given you my word. Go and play in that space. You can make a whole bunch of decisions here. Proverbs chapter two says this. My son, daughter, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turn your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth. His words come knowledge and understanding. I reckon 90, 95% of our decisions are made just in this place. God's Word. 95%. You've got a decision to make and you could just, you just go to God's Word and you say, well, God, what do you say in, in, in Scripture? Okay, cool, I can make a decision based off that. And so what I'd encourage you to say is read your Bible. Read it, sit in it and read it. Get to know your Bible, study it. If you've got some decisions to make, jump on Google and do a search of the Bible if you have to and say, where does it say, does the Bible have to say anything about this? Does it have anything to say about that? Just do the research, open your Bible and get to know it. As you get to know His Word, then you'll be able to make the right decisions. But don't just read it, and I just said this before, but know it. Understand the whole story. The Bible isn't about you. The Bible is about God who loves you and came for you. It's a story about God has come to redeem you. Get to know it. Understand the story. Don't just treat the Bible, you know, kind of like you open up and just find one verse and go, oh, that's it. That's the answer for my life. You kind of understand the whole thing. As you understand the whole Bible, you'll understand the context. 
get to know it and get to know the author of the Bible. Get to know the author of the Bible. You know, it's one thing to read it. It's another thing to actually walk with God and understand Him and know the author of the Bible. And I want to say this too. The Bible is more about do's than it is don'ts. You know, I reckon sometimes we, we, we think that, uh, that the Bible is just there and, and God has just made His rules to, to kind of protect us from the bad world that's out there. But actually, it's not, it's not about that. Yes, the Bible has some boundaries for us, but more importantly that, it's an invitation. It's not boundaries, it's a door. It's an invitation into a full life. It's saying, hey, come this way. You know, and so when Solomon writes about wisdom, he calls it wisdom's call. Wisdom calls out, it beckons people in. It calls out, come this way. Make this path your path. Live wisely. And we see this. You know, I want to say God's Word, then we're called into two things. I'll write them here. There's the, God's, uh, the great command. And the Great Commission. Someone yell out the Great Command for me. Oh, man. The Great Commandment. What is it? Love the Lord your God with... And the second one is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. Very good. Very good. Some of you know that. Burn that in your mind, people. It's the summary of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbour as you love yourself. What's the Great Commission? Well, that's a little bit longer. I won't make you do that. Go into all the world. Amen. Go, make disciples, preach the gospel, baptise in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that commanded you. Very good. Very good. Listen, God invites us into a great story, a great journey. And we can, you know, not, but not to be reductionistic, but he, he calls us to love God, to love others and to get on mission. He invites us into a whole bunch of things, which is really exciting. So obey it. Obey it. Read it. Understand it, know it, and obey it. Jesus tells this story, I'm sure you're aware of it, in Matthew chapter 7. He says, A wise builder is like a person who builds his or her house, I don't care who, on the rock. When the wind and the waves come, the house stands still. The foolish builder is like the one who does not listen, who listens to my words, but does not put it into practice. They're like one who builds their house on the sand. And Jesus is saying, and it comes at the end of, the, of the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, this profound statement. It's one of the last things he says. And he says, put my words into practice. You know, wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is not knowing a whole bunch of stuff. And I know the, the attraction for some of us is just to know lots of doctrine, just to know the Bible lots. But that's foolishness unless you put it into practice. Read God's Word, know God's Word, know the author of God's Word and obey God's Word. 
I just want to say here too, as I said, that most of our decisions are just made here, just as we, as we go through life. You know, use your brain. You know, I reckon sometimes as Christians, we over-spiritualize things. And we just need to use our brains. God has gifted us. He's given us brains. Use it. You know, I think sometimes we're in danger of over-spiritualizing things and go, oh, I've just got to go through this massive process to decide, you know, what I'm going to do, you know, with the most basic things. Should I buy petrol today or should I wait a week? It's a tough one. I might just spend a week of prayer and fasting just to see what the Lord has to say. Well, jump online. Have a look at what the fuel prices are doing and, and make a decision. But there are some things, you know, you, you know, there... Very quickly, you can apply this. You know, you'd look at a career and go, well, you know, what career should I take? Well, does it fit within God's Word? Well, it probably rules out being a bank robber. You know. But there's lots of things you can do as a career in God's Word. You know, should I take a sickie at work? Well, this is a big one. What does God's Word say? Well, it says, no, you shouldn't take a sickie. I remember my boss used to ask me sometimes to lie for him when people called in. I just said, no. I love the statement. I didn't make the statement. I wish I did say it to him. Someone did say, if I lie for you, I will lie to you. I love that. I encourage you, if you're in your workplace, what does God's word say? Live by it. Make wise decisions. Don't lie. What should I do with my money? Again, work it through the filter of the Bible. You know, what should, what's my approach to alcohol? Well, the Bible says certain things about alcohol. It certainly says don't get drunk. So what does wisdom say? Don't get drunk. It's stupid. You do dumb things. You don't make wise decisions. That's what the Bible says. Apply it. Use your brain. But where there's some other filters, and that's a big one. I'm not going to spend heaps of time now going through the other two. But there's then, a, I want to, this is kind of like a focus, right? So there's a whole bunch of decisions you can just make here and then just go on with your life happily, 95%. But there are some that are a bit bigger and you're going to keep going. So there's another lens that you got work, work your way through. The, the next one is, is uh, God's gifts, You know, we've read, that we've read here that, that in, in Romans that God has gifted each of us in different ways. He's placed actually passions and desires in our hearts. And we can read through, I'm not going to read through them again, but he's given all, all his gifts and he says, these are for you. If you humble yourself and you walk with me, I'm just going to keep pouring out and inflaming the gift that he's, he's got in you. You're going to grow in it, step in it, the passions, the desires I've placed in you. And if you get this order right, then you can operate in freedom in this one. Augustine said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's the, co the commandment. And do whatever you want. Love the Lord your God with all, you, with all your heart and do whatever you want. Why does he say that? Is because when you get the first command right, when your heart is set for Him, when you love Him, when, you, when, you're, when you're, you're, you're surrendered to Him, then you're not gonna go against what He's got for you. It's gonna be aligned with you, with Him. Love the Lord your God and do what you want. I wanna encourage you, step in it. 
Step in the passions that God has for you as long as your heart is aligned to Him. Live it out. So if you've got questions about your career, what you wanna do, and you're really not sure, and obviously the Bible hasn't said specifically to you, go and be an accountant. I'm sure it's not in there. It certainly wasn't in for me. And uh, if it did say go and be an accountant, it would be wrong because that would have been a disaster. <laughs> then figure out what do you love to do? You know, what's, what's that thing that you love to do? You know, you can ask the question a lot of time and God says this. You got it, you've got a decision to make. You're not quite sure what to do. I reckon a whole bunch of times God goes, well, what do you want to do? Genuinely. He says, you could choose either. I don't care. I don't care. It's within my will. It, you're not breaking any of my laws. It's, it's what, just go do it. Just do something. I don't care. I don't care whether you have Cocoa Pops for breakfast or whether you have cornflakes for breakfast. But even more serious things, genuinely. Sometimes I reckon God says in regards to our, our career, you, what do you want to do? God has placed passions and desires in our heart and we need to pay attention to them. And sometimes then, and I know for our generation, and I've certainly been in this place too, I still don't know. Oh, well, I don't know what I want to do. I was told it was a snowflake since I was the age of three and I've got so many options out there and I really can't figure out what my feelings are saying. What do I do? I'm sure none of you feel like that. You ask the next question, who's around me? The next question is, what does wise counsel say? What does godly counsel say? And I love this picture in Romans as Paul kind of articulates. He, he gives this, this sense of the body working together and we are dependent on one another. We cannot operate independently. We're actually dependent and that is a humble place because it means that we actually find ourselves, we realise ourselves, we actualize ourselves in the context and the presence of others. And so if you still don't know and you're still asking a question, it's in God's Word, but you're still not sure. Well, God, it's in your passion, but you, you, you know, and God's gifting for you, but you're still not sure, you go to godly counsel. And you ask people around you, people who, who know you, who have walked with you, and you say, hey, what do you think? And let me encourage you, don't go to echo chambers. What I mean is this, don't go to people who you know won't challenge you, people who won't tell you the truth. That's hopeless. That's not wise counsel. That's not godly counsel. Find people who are gonna tell you as it is. I tell you, I desperately need it and I seek it out. I want people to tell me as it is. Hey, when you, you know, and I ask people, hey, when you look at me and if I'm trying to make a decision, say, so when you look at me and what I'm trying to figure out, what would you say, honestly, even if it hurts my feelings, even if I kind of don't feel nice about it, will you tell me? Because when we're in this place, when it's godly counsel, it will always be safe and it will always be done in love. And Paul articulates a wonderful picture here of deference that we need to understand that we need one another if we're going to walk in God's ways, if we're going to test and approve His will. Seek out godly counsel. I've got to say just really quickly, an example was my marriage. I'm actually not sure I'd be married to Megan now if it wasn't for godly counsel. And, and Megan, Megan is, is amazing, but I was so racked with fear, and I'm gonna talk about peace in a minute. 
because that this can be betraying sometimes, that I actually couldn't see straight. And, uh, and it was, if it wasn't for good uh, people, some, some pastors and some close friends who were really honest with me and encouraged me, I'm not sure I'd be married to Megan. You need these people. You need people in your life. And it takes humility. That's why I come back to humility. Because all of these are authorities that are over you. You're inviting people into your life. You've got to humble yourself and say, okay, I'm going to listen to that. Godly counsel, seek it out. And finally, what does God's voice say? God's spirit. You know, there is a, there is a reality that God does speak to us. He reveals himself to us. What I would say is it's actually rare. Very rarely will I ever, I, I, I'm not sure I've ever really heard God's audible voice, to be honest. I've certainly known his leading very clearly in certain ways that have certainly been outside what I was expecting. So that's why I, I, I actually put that down the list in terms of as we do this journey. But God, God's voice does matter and God's leading does have power and it can change and alter a moment and we need to be attentive to it. How do we do that? How do we journey with him? Well, it does come back to here. See, God is always speaking to us through his word. And often he will speak, his voice will speak through his word to us. He'll be opening the Bible and his scripture will open, open up to us. His spirit is always at work amongst us in each of these layers. But sometimes God just supernaturally, maybe through somebody else or just in a quiet moment, whatever, in prayer, He'll speak to us. We need to pray. You know, someone I've just uh, been, uh, been uh, approached a mentor actually about a decision I'm, you know, working through, and 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 he said, Andrew, I want you to go and fast. I'll be fasting for you. you know, prayer is actually a really important part of hearing and discerning the voice of God. And Paul articulates in Philippians that there is a peace that comes sometimes in the decision-making process. He says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, so don't be afraid. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with gratitude, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a peace that acts as a guard. And sometimes you'll get to that point and you've gone through all this process, but you still don't have peace. You need to listen to that. And you need to talk to God and then you might need to come back out again and talk to wise counsel and go, hey, I don't have peace about this, even though you've said it. Can you pray for me? Can we do, do, I'm not gonna make a decision. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna keep praying and seeking God. Keep working it out. Keep asking the questions. Keep going back and through, through the lens as much as you need to. Because sometimes God won't just say yes, make the decision. Sometimes it will be no and sometimes it will be wait. And that's frustrating. But it's all part of the decision-making process. And let me tell you, God's timing is always perfect. His timing is always perfect. I just want to say something about peace. Only trust peace if you've got this order right and you're walking in humility. Sometimes we say we have a lack of peace but actually it's fear. And it's because we're actually not walking in humility with God, but we've stepped outside and we're doing our own thing and actually we've stepped into the world of fear. 
Just a personal example. I remember, um, and I've shared this before, I was, uh, I was freaking out about a job promotion that I got. And I came to church, just, I was petrified because I didn't think I was able to do it. And I decided in that church service, I'm, I'm going to resign, I'm going to go to Bible college. And uh, wisely, my dad, as I shared it, my dad said, Andrew, that's fear talking, that's not a lack of peace. And so let me encourage you again, this is where working it through the focus, working it through the filters is really important. Peace is important. You need to listen to it as you walk with God. But if you're not walking with God, I have questions about your peace because it might be fear. Does that make sense? Final thing, there is plenty for us to get on with. There is so much that God has invited us into. You know, this, this, I've given you a focus and a lens that you can journey through. Most of your decisions shouldn't be that difficult. And I reckon God would say to us, just do something. I have given you plenty to get on with. There is a lot to do in loving God, loving others, loving yourself and, make, and going out into all the world making disciples. That's, that's, there's a lot to do there. So if you're sitting and wondering what's my next step in life, well, you could probably start there. Just get on with doing something and God will show you. He will, he will guide you and He will lead you. Just do something. I'm going to land it there. I'm just going to, just for a few moments, can I get practical? Because some people did ask questions and just give it, to give you some examples about how this works itself out in practical forms and then we're going to pray for people. Is that okay? Just for a few moments. Um, because if, um, I do want to honour, some people just ask questions um, uh, and, uh, and, and I think they're helpful because I think they're questions that we're all asking. Um, how can I know God's will for decisions on changing job or, or career? Well, I kind of already walked it through. Well, it, is the job okay, permissible in God's word? Yes, proceed. Is it something that you wanted, actually you feel like you've gifted in? Well, I think so. I'm passionate about it, but I'm not sure if I'm truly gifted in it. Okay, well, why don't you go and talk to godly counsel and get some advice? Yeah, you know what we see? You'd be a great teacher. You'd be incredible. We can see that as I watch you as you serve in kids, kid, uh, kids ministry, you're a great teacher. You've done the degree, whatever. You've, you've, got, the, you've got the qualification. If you don't have the qualifications, then you, you're back out here and you kind of need to do your, just go do the degree. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, there's the, I, pe- people who you trust. Absolutely. Okay, that's great. Do I have, do I have that piece? Awesome. Go for it. No, let's go back out again and start the journey or consider something else. Do the journey again until you get that sense of what God has called you to do. I need to make a decision, but I'm not hearing from God. Can I still make a decision? Well, if, if, that, if that's the thing, it probably comes back to what the decision is. But if it's, if it's, you know, if it's not massive life-changing stuff, like I'm gonna move overseas and completely change my career, well then, does it sit within God? Same thing, does it sit in God's word? Is, does it fit with your gifts? You get in the picture, yeah? I don't wanna bore you to death here. What career should I pursue? Which decision will glorify God the most? I love what John Piper says uh, in his whole idea of Christian hedonism. He says, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. And it comes, it comes down to this, God's gifts. You know, God has gifted you. God is not gonna work against the things he's placed inside you people. Understand it, learn and grow the things that God has placed in you. And also I would say, 
Don't assume that just because you're passionate about it, the person next to you is passionate about it. You know, I used to think that, you know, everybody would want to be a pastor. But it turns out that, that, no, that's not true. In fact, I really didn't want to be a pastor to start with, but that God changed my heart. Just because you're passionate about it with something doesn't mean that others are. It's God that's planted in, inside you. Who should I marry? That was Mark Dean, which I was a little bit concerned about. Okay, is polygamy in God's Word? I'm not sure. We'll probably have to go and read the Bible again. I really don't know the answer to that one. It's a tough one. Uh, no, no. Okay, well, what does God's Word say? Who should, and what I would say is with dating and, and marriage, I, let me tell you, don't date someone if you don't think you can marry them. Now, you may, you may not be sure but if there are some disqualifiers, then don't date them. Give it some time. Maybe you're not sure. Just take your time. But I, what I would say is I would encourage you as you uh, consider your future partner not to have a list you know, that, that goes you know, 500 long. You know, I reckon sometimes we're just looking for the ultimate plus partner. And I just encourage you, don't do that. Don't do that. That's, that's all I've got to say about that. Alrighty, what does God's word say? Well, it does say don't be unequally yoked. Now that's in Corinthians. What I would say about that is that being unequally yoked is not just about marriage. It's about a whole range of things that you are, do not yoke yourself with an unbeliever if you're making covenant, if you're making significant decisions about your life. So it's about marriage, but it's also about business. It's about a whole range of things that Paul says do not be unequally yoked. So you've got to ask the question, is this person a believer? Does this person hold the same values to me? And more than that, more than that, do they have the same heart for me? Like if you're called to overseas mission and you meet someone who really is called to accounting in Brisbane, then maybe you're going, maybe you're going to have to have a conversation about that. Maybe that's not going to work. So it's not just about looking for the bare minimum. Oh yeah, they played, prayed the sinner's prayer once. Do you know what I mean? This is a, are we actually on the journey together? Are we walking this journey together? Alrighty, what does God's Word say? So that's the first, yeah, okay. You know, do we align? This probably comes to the next question. Do we align in our gifts and our passions and our desires? Is there an alignment there? Yeah, there is. You know, I was really honest with Megan as we were dating that you're marrying a pastor, sweetheart. If you, you just, you've got an out clause. Seriously, I, I said that. So being, being married to a pastor is, is, is a tough gig. You have an out clause. You know what you're getting into. I was really honest with that because I knew the call and gift. I had, and, but I also could see the gift and call that Megan has. And man, she's amazing. I'm so blessed. Godly counsel. Again, no echo chambers. Don't go to that person who's not really that wisdom, who's the same age as you and go, oh, isn't he, isn't he sweet? <laughs> Don't go to those people. Go to the people who observe you, watch you, know you, who are older than you, probably married, who know how life works, and goes, as I observe you, I see this, this, and this. Be careful. Or, you know, they're really good in this area. Just take it, so whatever. Invite them into your life. It's a big decision getting married. It's a big decision dating. Just invite people into your world. And then God's voice. What does God's peace have to say about that? Do that journey. Sometimes it's wait. Okay, wait. 
You got that? You got that? Is this helpful in any way, shape, or form? Alrighty, good. I hope so. I'm gonna, that's that's it. I'm going to leave it there. I, I, we don't have any more time for questions. But what I would love to do is actually just create some space now for ministry. And I, I reckon there's a whole bunch of you who are who probably just in the process of making decisions. And I'm going to get the band up if the band can come up. And just for the next five minutes, because I know it's late and. Um, some of you may have an eye on the clock and still want to grab the last part of the rugby league. Probably not. But uh, if you are too bad, God's, uh, God's going to do some stuff now. So, Hey, I, as the band come up, I, if you, I just want to, I'm just really open and honest. We're not going to make a big deal of this. But if you are going through, a, 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 you, you've got some decisions to make or you're really unsure for a whole bunch of reasons, really good reasons. You're really wanting God's uh, grace and power. You need some wisdom and discernment in your world right now. I'm just going to invite you. Can you just stick your hand up high in the sky? Come on, I, I think there's going to be a bunch of you. You just need, you need some wisdom over the decisions in your life right now. Just high in the sky. Come on. Great. See, we're part of Godly Council. And God, just keep them high in the sky right now. Actually, what, what we might do is, uh, if you've got your hand in, 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 the, in the air, can you just um, can you stand up where you are right now? Bait and switch, people. I love it. Nah, this is all good. And uh, I, I'd love for, for people, as, as, you're, as people are standing, if people just are around them, if you can just gather around these people right now. That's okay, and you might need to uh, split out a little bit there, William. If you just move across, can we just gather around these guys? Now, what I don't want in this place is "Thus saith the Lord" speech right now. Okay, I certainly don't want to hear anyone saying, "I believe that God's calling me to marry you." That is not. That is it's definitely not helpful. encourage I just encourage us to wait just wait and I encourage if you're being if you're the one who stood up and you just say God we just pour out your spirit Daniel are you standing there can we get some people are you standing can we get some people around Daniel as well just is everyone covered just want to make sure that everyone's surrounded just wait on God if you are wanting to receive just and, and guys, gather around them and just wait on God and then just begin to pray over them one at a time. Have courage just to speak out words of affirmation, encouragement. And prophetic word might be, hey, I have a sense that God might be, might be saying this, but hold it lightly. If you feel like you've got a passage or a word, feel free to do that, but do it with lightness, okay? With gentleness, okay? So let's just begin to pray. The band are gonna worship in just a moment. For the rest of you, why don't you just sit in this pace for a moment? Maybe you want to shut your eyes and just say, God, will you speak to me? Will you reveal anything in me that I just need to know? Or will you guide me anyways right now, just as we pray? Come on, let's pray. Come on, guys, gather around these guys. Wait on the Spirit. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ or would like us to pray for you, please go to gatewaybaptist.com.au and let us know.